When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer and Tim Hyde here from blueandgold.com with our weekly Wednesday night live show on YouTube. Man, we're we're not going to discuss so much the the Stanford game as much as just take a a big picture look at the status of Notre Dame football and specifically the quarterback position. I will also talk a little bit of recruiting, and then if we have time, we will also um, take a quick look at Notre Dame versus UNLV. Um, So please do hit the thumbs up on this video if you are watching live with us or if you are watching back. I can't explain enough how much that helps us out. And if you're listening via podcast, please do leave um, a nice rating if you like what you hear. And again, if you are on YouTube. Um, subscribe to our channel if you have not done so yet. Um, and you can always head to blueandgold.com. That's your home for Notre Dame football and recruiting coverage. Basketball, we also cover both men's and women's um, baseball coverage, hockey. Um, we really do cover all of these big Notre Dame sports. So please do head to blueandgold.com and check all of that out. Um, but yeah, Mr. Hyde, how are you doing today, man? Uh, doing really good. Thanks. Uh, sorry, fixing that light there. Um, no, no, doing really good. Uh, you know, here we go. Let's just jump into it and get rocking. Well, we'll go to our uh, best thing you've seen in the past week. Um, and yours, Tim, um, has to do with a certain class of 2024 receiver, someone who we've talked a good bit about um, yes. in recent months. Um, that's Ryan Wingo from St. Louis University High. Uh, and I know he had a quote that you wanted to talk about. Um, and I got it up on the screen. So I actually interviewed, not to steal your thunder here, Tim, um, but I interviewed um, the, uh, the borderline five-star recruit in the 2024 class about, um, you know, his visit to Notre Dame this past weekend and asked him, hey, what, how big of an impact does, you know, these results have you're at this visit Notre Dame loses a game they shouldn't have and I'll also add this was his second Notre Dame game his first was the Cincinnati game last year so he's been to Notre Dame twice and the Irish are 0 2 Um, and here's what he said losing games doesn't put an impact on anything for me I have an opportunity to come to a school and help it become great I could make an instant impact and Tim that's exactly what you want to hear if you're a Notre Dame fan or coach Oh, yeah, without a doubt. That's why, you know, we always talk about our best of the week and, you know, we could go through a thousand things. But this, you know, your article you did with Ryan Wingo was this right here really, you know, really stuck with me because we could be throwing fireballs all over the world. Right. Notre Dame's three and three, though, you know, everything's going crazy, whatnot. You know, everyone thinks every time Notre Dame leaves, there's going to be 12 decommits. Hasn't been that in these 2024 guys you know, have been unbelievable uh, recruiting group. As, as I've talked about historically in, with Notre Dame, the second class has always been better than the first. 
And right now, 2023 is number three. I think 2024 is going to be unbelievable now that these guys are, are rolling. And for me, as you know, someone who's been around Notre Dame, follow a lot of Notre Dame recruiting, the games don't matter because you, you know, Mike, you've been doing this for a dozen years in recruiting is each and every player thinks they're the difference maker. So if you go three and nine, so be it. I'm going to come in there and change it. And that's sometimes some of their thought process. And I like that with Ryan Wingo. I really like that where I was thinking about it. You know, there's a great photo you have of Jeremiah Love as well with Marcus Freeman with the smile, giving him like a little hug from behind after the hard fought loss. And it's like, it is about these the future. It is about these kids. It is about right, right there, Mike. It is about recruiting and building Notre Dame. And I think sitting here at three and three, we've kind of lost a little focus of that because maybe we just thought this ball was, you know, this train was going to keep rolling and whatnot. And it is the guys like Ryan Wingo, the Jeremiah loves these recruits where Notre Dame needs these guys to rebuild this program and get some, some big time elite difference makers that are sec football players in the South Bend. I'm going to give a little bit, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Notre Dame's 23 class will end up higher than the 24 class. I like it. Hey, three and four. We'll take three this year, four next year. I'll go for it. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, Notre Dame having the number three class right now. Yep. There ain't no chance they end up number three. I mean, number one and two between Alabama and Georgia. Where's AM at? You always hear about AM. They're number 15. They only have 12 commits. So you know they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna get some more guys in there. Um, but it, so you would expect AM to get up there, Ohio State, you know, OU, Texas, LSE. I mean, it's it's gonna be tough. I yeah. I think the goal each year, Tim, has to be um a, a, a top five class. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I think top top five is is tremendous because there's only been a handful of those here really here in the last 20 years. So you start compounding whether it's five, six, seven, as you just showed with those numbers, so many of these classes are just like, you know, fractions of a point away from each other. So when you say right now, Notre Dame's number three, they're a, you know, a milli point away from, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes where they're a point from the Buckeyes ahead there with the, you know, the way it works. But uh, they're, they're all so close. So you're in that five, six, seven, and you, but you're all lumped together. Like last year's class, number six, very good football players have we seen in that class. Compound that with 2023-24, which is off to a great start and some tremendous players already in that class. That's the key. The key is you don't want to go six last year. Let's say they're five this year, and then next year they're 14. Then the next year, 12. Then they get back to two or three or four. That's been the issue at Notre Dame. It's you got to have consistency, and I think that's – Freeman talked about it Monday. They're three and three, and he's talking recruiting. So it's like he knows what Notre Dame needs. And I think we need to trust that, let him do it, and um, and just keep trying to go back to those tenets of why he did get hired back when he did. Going to my best thing of the week. Um, I thought about this tweet, so I'm glad you mentioned it. I thought this okay. was cool. This was after the game. Um, Marcus Freeman didn't have much to smile about, but seeing his running back commit, I'm guessing this was the first time that they got to see each other uh, in the day, unless Freeman was able to see him before the game. Um, but I uh, definitely thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, I thought this was was awesome. You know, uh, let's take glass half full and 
Um, you know, if we're going to go with worst of the week, it's probably CJ Carr getting dropped in the rankings. Um, I don't know. People ask my opinion on it. Just kind of is what it is. Um, you know, I know he's, you know, had some, uh, had a couple of, of bad performances and he's had some really good ones. Um, it's so early in the 2024 ranking cycle that I'm not really worried about it. And, um, I've seen CJ Carr in person enough to know what, what, at least in my opinion, what is as a quarterback. And I think his offer list reflects that. And, um, you know, his performances on Friday night for the most part have as well. But on a positive, Cam Williams went from the number 136 overall player, the number 17 wide receiver. And this is on three's own rankings, not the consensus, which we usually use. Like if we look at Wingo's profile here, this is the consensus. Uh, which equally weighs rivals 247 ESPN and on three. And then on three's rankings are obviously take up a quarter of that. Um, so he went from one, Kane uh, Williams, 136 and 17 to number 21 overall player nationally, number five wide receiver. Um, from what I'm told, uh, it was a combination of his um, outstanding performances as a junior combined with. Um, you know, just testing numbers and arm length and, um, you know, kind of all those measurables that's really important to, to analysts and um, and coaches alike. Um, so, yeah, Tim, it's a, he, he's a big-time one. No, he's good. I mean, when he committed, I, I know in our video that we did, you know, back then after Irish Invasion was they got a heck of a football player. I thought – I think he's – you know, and I, I remember even talking about his offers were Notre Dame, Michigan, and a bunch of Midwestern guys – I said, watch out for the SEC to jump on this guy because he was vastly underrated when you look at his sophomore film, his summer camp film, and and all the you know the things he did over the summer. He is he's a damn good football player. Excuse my French there, but he is outstanding. And to see that jump, yeah, it's warranted because he is legit another wide receiver. You know, we're gonna talk quarterback, you know, all these other spots, wide receiver, as we know this 2022 season does not have a Cam Williams, does not have a Ryan Wingo. They don't have these these just electric – as I keep saying the SEC, they just – these are some difference makers, and Cam Williams is definitely one of those. I'm going to throw Tobias Merriweather in that mix for sure. Yes. Um, you know, Lorenzo Styles can be. Um, in this tape we're watching right now on YouTube, this is just a single-game highlight from his – um, from his junior season here, and you know, there, there, there's a pick six. You take those, he had a touchdown reception. I think he had another pick in this game as well. It's probably coming right here. Um, a couple of uh fair catches for him, basically. Oh, but uh, hey, we'll add the stats, Mike. Bad the stats, we'll, we'll take them. And uh, <laughs> so that, that's not a it's not a bad game that I picked out there. Um, so yeah, that's uh, our, our best of the week. And for folks just joining us live on YouTube, please do smash the thumbs up video um, to help um, uh, support our channel. Um, Richard says, um, true to your word, Mike, Richard clearly is, is very keen on, um, nice haircuts. So I got mine as well on Tuesdays. Very important. I don't have the head of a, a head of hair. Tim Hyde has that man no. has the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. Um, but my uh, dad blessed me, Mike. I always say that you know, I didn't get much, but I got a good head of hair. So <laughs> thank you, dad. <laughs> Okie dokie. So Tim, I don't know where we're going with this discussion, but it's just kind of wherever you want to take it. Let's just talk Notre Dame's 2022 season. He had the okay performance against Ohio State. I thought I thought Notre Dame was better in the first half. 
Ohio State runs away with it the second half. Notre Dame loses by 11. The absolute stinker against Marshall. Irish were terrible. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame had a, a decent showing against California. I think the second half really dominated. I think it was something like and they finished the game scoring on like, you know, four or five of their last six or seven possessions, something like that. It really got things going. Good positive win against North Carolina. Tough, grinded out win against BYU. And then the Stanford loss. Oh, gosh. So it's like, Tim, they've – two of their losses are against the the, the two worst teams on the schedule, right? Uh, I mean, Marshall has been bad since. They beat North Carolina has been good. I think – I don't know what Cal's done, but, I mean, Stanford, this was their – was it first – Power five or FBS win in a year or, or something crazy like that. Since, yeah, I think it was 11 or 12 losses in a row. They beat number three, Oregon last year after Oregon beat Ohio state and they went and beat them. And then they hadn't won a game since Saturday night at Notre Dame. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting, you know, when you look at three and three, there's a billion things to chat about, but really the overarching theme is the three losses. Quarterbacks are roughly 50%. The three wins, Drew Pine, who is you know, obviously the starter in those three games, over 70%. Drastic, drastic difference. Now, Ohio State's its own entity. Let's yeah. just, you know, but, but I mean, Marshall, you know, Tyler Buckner was not good. He completed 50, I think 50% of his, you know, 55% of his passes, two, two interceptions, really struggled. You know, I, I've said 10 times already, the play of the year is, you know, the miss on Lindsay. You score that, you go into halftime winning, you're playing a team, you're struggling, the hangover from Ohio State. Lindsey hits that, you go 70 yards for the touchdown. Notre Dame's got the momentum. They're going to halftime, splash some water on their face. I'm like, all right, guys, let's get going. Instead, you miss that. and You just keep the struggles, take the lead, boom, the pick six. And then the three wins have been over 70% from Drew Pine. And then Stanford – I think it was 48%, you know, so you're under 50% after having three outstanding football games and people always want to talk about the quarterback, right? In college football, uh, how do I get an elite quarterback? How do I get all these things? So the quarterback position is the biggie. And at Notre Dame this year, they're three and three, they're three worst games. The quarterbacks had the worst game on the field. And that's really, and that's really what has been boiled down to when you, when you look at it is that position. It's almost as if the yeah, that's the most important position on the field. It's almost as yeah. Here, here's a tweet from Pete Sampson. This was a couple of days ago that I found to be pretty interesting. Um, he tweeted um, Drew Pine's stats on passes of, uh, of at least six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. North Carolina nine of 14, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Fantastic. BYU ten of twelve, 190 yards, three touchdowns, um, and an INT. Um, Stanford five of 15, 79 yards touchdown. So you can see, you know, the big drop in the completion percentage, um, of, of him chucking the ball, I would say downfield was just six yards. And then there's the obvious glaring ones of, um, you know, missing Lindsay, um, and the, the, the styles drop and and missing Merriweather. Those three were, were just absolute killers, but, um, yeah, Tim, any thoughts on this? No, that's, I mean, I mean, once again, you got the two big wins right there, North Carolina, BYU, where you're struggling as a program and Drew Pine goes off and he's electric. You know, not only that, the offense has been 
50-50 run and pass when you look at the yardage, how close they are 50-50, how balanced they are. And in Stanford, I mean, you got Lindsey throws it over his head. He's, he's walking in for a post touchdown. Obviously, Merriweather has the one that he overthrows him by a hair. He ends up scoring on that. But there's one play in the second half where he's got Lorenzo Styles because they start running the ball. They start getting Stanford out of the box. They start motioning more with their slot receiver. They got Lorenzo Styles beat. I mean, he's gone, gone for a 60 yard touchdown. And Drew Pine underthrows him where that one against Stanford, where he's got to try and come back and catch it in the second half. Yeah, man, they just didn't, they just did not click. They, the passes were obviously not on target. You know, when you think six yards, I'm thinking of a couple, you know, just some 10 yard in cuts to Mike Mayer, who's being double covered and he forced it. That was a problem in the Stanford game was just forcing them too much reliance on uh, Michael Mayer, who obviously all American. I, kn- I know the article on blue and gold, bunch of all American, ha- you know, mid season, all American teams. He's consensus on, I think he's on like four out of the f- six first team uh, all Americans already at first half. So uh, obviously Michael Mayer is having a heck of a year, but there's gotta be some times when you're like, I got to hit this guy. This guy's running free wide open, come back to him. And you see double coverage, man. You got to just know those routes ticking off in your head. Where's that second guy going to be? And that just didn't happen in Stanford. It was a frustrating night overall from, you know, from the head man down to the last man. Kind of looking at what's next, Tim, you got to think if they don't, if they don't beat the doors off of UNLV, the Syracuse game might be a pick them. I mean, seriously, Um, uh, I mean, Syracuse is, is, I think, consistently played better ball than Notre Dame yeah. um, this season. <laughs> I mean, is is uh, is the season a disaster yet? I mean, can you can you say that at this point? Well, let's just get to the end of this thing, right? Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> UNLV, you've got to, you know what? And I went. You know, it's so different, by the way, when you read Marcus Freeman's quotes on Monday. You know, obviously, Tyler Horka does a great job running through the scroll, typing his quotes and all that. And some of the quotes are like, oh, my God, head scratching. But when you go back and you listen to him, I felt more comfortable listening to him. I felt like, all right, man, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy's got to he's got to get it done, obviously, and whatnot. But there was a few things he did talk about of just just going out, obviously this UNLV game is as big as it is. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, I mean, how many times have we said this is the biggest game of the year is this make or break for Notre Dame, but no, these guys got to play at home. They've got to come out and just smash UNLV. They, these guys need to get some confidence and they had it rolling. Had they just hit a couple darn paths? I mean, literally, right. They had the drive after the block punt, Prince Collie block punt, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns on that drive don't happen. The styles drop. Stanford's pulling one hand away. Man, fight and get that darn ball. Lorenzo Styles has not really caught any fades, has he? I'm going to the Fiesta Bowl. One goes over his head. He doesn't catch. I think one in the Virginia game last year, he like misplays it. Maybe he's just a slant and a flat guy. I don't know. But um, Michael Mayer scores a touchdown. Chris Tyree covers up. Are you kidding me? You're an empty. That's one that's just like Drew Pines, the quarterback, but more so on Michael Mayer. How many plays has Michael Mayer played? He's the hip tight end right there next to Mitchell Evans. It's like, dude, look out there and say, Tyree, get back. That was, you know, you know, don't want to put it all on Mayer, but he's played so much football, help Pine out on that instance and move a guy. 
And then you got Lindsey. The very next play, you got Lindsey on a wide open post. And he hits a guy in the stands. And uh, so that that was just a frustrating drive. But then, then there's six, seven other plays on top of that that are just like that in the game. And um, as soon as Notre Dame takes the lead, they're going down. They give up a, a field goal. And then obviously Estime is going down to win the game. And he fumbles. And there's the ball game, right? It happened that quick. And the margin of error, real quick, Mike, is just like frustrating a little bit. Like it's almost like Notre Dame, you know, can't, can't make a mistake, right? It, it feels like that on offense, but also, you know, how about defense? You know, obviously offense was clicking and whatnot defense, which is, which is a maddening stat to get into real quick is you hold a team to 16 points. You know, uh, Goolsby talked about the Stanford running back the other night. He has 30 something carries for what 2.8 yards a carry doesn't yeah. get a hundred yards. So if you're saying Stanford's going to run Powerball, they don't get 100 yards rushing, you hold them to 16, you're going to win by three touchdowns, right? Yeah. And you'll lose. But it, you lost because Stanford, I mean, it was like Marshall all over again. Nickel and dime. How many Marshall passes were quick slants, quick flats, the boot, the dump? Stanford did the same thing and nickeled and dimed, and they controlled the clock in that game. And Notre Dame just did not get off the field on third downs on defense that night. Yeah, Stanford just kind of controlled momentum. Yeah. Um, it's just like, all right, here's the stop. You know, we have them pinned back. It's third and long, and they just pick it up. And maybe they don't score, but keep that defense on the field, keep possession. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, a couple of the field goals. A couple of the field goal drives, Notre Dame's got them backed up, and then it's, boom, a quick slant. They go 15 on third and eight. You know, why are you playing outside leverage and the guy beat you inside? It happened a handful of times. They got a, there was a third and 12 for crying out loud. They hit just a quick bubble, a quick line pass out there, and he breaks all the tackles and runs it for 20 on third and long. It's like, fellas, what are we doing here? So it was that whole, it was like both sides. Stan, and that shows you when you hold a team to 16, Stanford is not explosive. Stanford knew that. And Stanford was just like, hey, we're going to sell out on the run. We're going to play man all over the place. And on offense, we're going to control the ball, dink and dunk, give it to our tailback who's going to not even average three yards a carry. <laughs> we're going to – I mean, people will be losing their minds if Notre Dame won a game with two, 2.8 yards a carry, right? And Stanford didn't care. They wanted to kill the clock and control it. All right, still some more to um, discuss. Um, but first, we are going to hear – um, from one of our sponsors, which is the Rogue Shop. My favorite thing to talk about uh, on these shows behind Notre Dame football, of course, is a husband and wife outfit as Mr. Rogue and his wife, Shar, are craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine, a true holistic type of small business. They farm it and grow it all themselves, do everything by hand. Um, and for YouTube folks, you can see the website on the screen, it is rogueshop.com. There's products that give you euphoria, but so much more um, products that have been known to help with stress, anxiety, uh, to chronic pain and insomnia. If you have a question about um, what a product does, jump on the live chat with the owners of the website and they will steer you in the right direction. 
Um, I think we need I think we need to get Tim Hyde these earrings um, and, and can um, have him wear them during the show. Um, I received a box of product, unfortunately did not have the earrings. Um, and Char um, had de- detailed handwritten instructions for me as I've never used any of these products before um, and took care of any questions that I had. Folks, their goal is holistic healing, making your life better if you suffer from stress, insomnia, reducing inflammation, anxiety, and mood disorders, topicals that are great for pain in specific areas. Um, Please head to rogueshop.com and check it out. Okay, Tim, you going to wear those earrings for us? Oh, sure. No problem. You got got a little Irish on there too? You good? (laughs) A little India emblem on there? BG for a little blue and gold on there. Oh my gosh! You know, I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're shamrocks, but um, yeah, maybe, yeah, I think those are. Um... <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> Sorry, it. podcast audience, but yeah, I don't think that's a shamrock thing. That's oh, I got you. I got you. Hope, yeah, hopefully we're not putting six and six on those things. There you go. Oh man. Um, quick, quick comment from Justin Campbell, who says media won't. Maybe coaches, media won't, I don't know what he's saying here, but it's something along the lines of we don't have any harsh critiques, whether it be here, um, uh, Irish breakdown. Uh, Brian Driscoll's not critical of the coaches. I know Tim Hyde is, and uh, or or certainly can't be. Goolsby let it rip. Okay, so he said won't won't hold the coaches culpable. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. I don't. I don't get to watch um, my my old friend Brian at, at Ice Breakdown, um, but uh, I, I think we do. I mean, but uh, I don't know. Well, what did we say Saturday night after the game? It's like as much as I, especially for you know, I'm talking for myself as as much as Notre Dame was was playing very good offense for three games, controlling the tempo, running the ball. You know, like I said, I mean, your quarterback completes over seventy percent. That is good football good football and they were controlling the games and the tempo and then you go into Stanford and it's complete opposite your quarterback completes under 50 percent so of course you put that on the play caller and whatnot but why was he under 50 percent how many passes were not completed correct it's the they're drive killers they're drive killers he I mean Pine was very inaccurate they have three different times in the first half Mayor is wide open and Pine can't get him the ball. The very first drive. Just think about the very first drive. You go three and out. Well, why do you go three and out? Because, well, you get a false start to start the game. You're first and 15. Your two-time captain goes off, you know, uh, legal motion. And then Pine gets the ball batted down. Mayor's right over the middle. The dude's five yards behind him. It's a quick dump. First down, you move the ball. And who knows if they don't go down and score and, and get the mojo going. Um I'm a big fan, uh, a big believer in take points. Marcus Freeman doesn't take points. The odds of the odds of scoring after a turnover, a change of possession, you know, having the momentum in your own territory is is huge. Get points, and they didn't get it. What if you know? I said this on the message board. What if Drew Pine? I think it was like third and fifteen, correct? Because Mayor got holding on that drive, if I remember right, on the one that they had three touchdowns. They don't score. Pine scrambles for like 15, 16 yards to make it fourth and two. What if Pine only scrambled for 12? Automatic field goal. He's going to send the field goal unit out. You know, Freeman got into the moment and got all excited. Oh, let's go for the the reverse. Huge critical on that one. I would not have run 
you know, Thomas on a reverse pass is, you know, when you look at something fourth and two, a play inside your five, you're going to go with something that's comfortable or one of your two point plays. What's a good two point play to use? And that's not a good two point play to use. Not at all. And um, I'll be critical. I think one of the worst calls of the game is, is the Lindsay reverse. Sure. It sounds cool. Let's try and hit him on a reverse, but there's no threat of any pass at that moment in the game in, in the first half. Stanford is playing press man and they're playing eight, nine guys in the box constantly, depending on what the, your formation was. So they are safeties in the alley. They're going to fill the alley. That play hit, boom, there's another three and out. It was a lot of mojo. You could blame the coaches. Sure. You could sit here and we could throw fireballs and say everyone stinks. I know more than everyone else. But but it is a game played by the players. And if a if a ball, if a wide receiver's open and the quarterback doesn't hit him, how the heck is that a coaching issue if the guy underthrows him? Or if the guy's wide open for a touchdown, he overthrows him. Or if it hits him in the hands and he drops it, it's like. Sure, sure, Mike. We could sit here and say, oh, you, you should run that play 12 more times in practice. Okay, well, what if he still drops it, correct? There's some things that just happen in football, and there's no perfect solution. And since the Stanford loss, I've kind of sat back a little bit. And you know what? Maybe maybe the expectations were a little crazy, correct? I mean, everyone's 10-2, and 11-1. Hell, I said if they beat Ohio State, I think they're going to the playoffs. Because I thought this group of seniors was, was going to rally around Marcus Freeman in this program. It, it, it hasn't clicked. It hasn't happened. So this program where Jack, you know, as I've said a hundred times, where Jack Swarbrick says, I'm hiring Freeman to keep it going. It's a player-led program. You know, keep the, the ball moving, so to speak. You know, don't change anything. That was kind of the tone. Marcus Freeman's now starting to say, he said it on Monday. It's like this program's not going to move forward until my stamps on it, so to speak. He talked about everything Brian Kelly did great, love it, learned a ton from him. But Notre Dame's not going to move forward unless it's Marcus Freeman's program. And for me, a guy who's coached a lot of years, a lot of football, I I like the fact that he came out Monday and said that. And I think that's that is very, very true moving forward. Tim, I think that was your longest sound bite in your blue and gold career. Well, you know that what? Was, that was four minutes. I I, I want to say those four minutes. I I, I got up and peed, and then did some push-ups. And, and, I, and you know what? It's me. it's. I apologize if I went four minutes. I, I apologize there. I'll take twelve seconds here. But no, very passionate because because you know maybe because I've coached a ton, and I know when Mike Goolsby talks, Mike Mike Goolsby put so much pressure on him and his and his teammates and his players that played at Notre Dame. Mike Goolsby was a captain. He talks more about his play and his teammates play and that, and to sit here and just blame coaches. It's, it's for me, I think it's ridiculous because you know, some of these dudes need to step up and there's no doubt about that. It's a two way street. If you really, you know, if you want to, you know, you know, kiss both sides, it's a two way street, but you got to make plays, man. I I think about this, this, this whole discussion a lot about who, who to blame. Um, because in my line of work, I know my audience is Notre Dame fans. It's not other media members. It's not the coaches. I don't need to impress those. I just, I just like to talk to to Notre Dame fans. I'm not talking to Iowa fans or Mississippi state fans, just Notre Dame fans. Um, so, so much of my discussion is I'm I'm talking to you guys and I listen to you guys. I read your comments. 
I think with blaming the average person watching their a football game, when things go wrong, it's often it's very there there's very easy people to blame. When things aren't going in the passing game, you blame the quarterback, right? Unless there's drops, those are very easy to see that it's dropped. Sometimes it's not easy to see. Um, you know, maybe the guy, his pocket is collapsing on him a little bit. He gets rid of it and he's not getting hit. Yeah. But you might not notice that if you're very passionate and watching your game. Um, defensively, you might not notice certain things that go on. But you know that a quarterback misfires the ball, but maybe the receiver's in the wrong place. Um, or maybe the receivers are just not getting open and then the quarterback gets sacked, so then you blame the quarterback for not giving you the ball or the offensive line for allowing a sack, but it was more of a coverage sack. And, and then when the offense isn't clicking, you blame the offensive coordinator, and, 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 of course, you blame the head coach. So it's quarterback, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, but the Notre Dame defense really hasn't been a big issue. So we even heard we don't talk about Al Golden. We don't put him on the YouTube thumbnails. You, I put three guys on the YouTube thumbnails. Like on all these shows, Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, or Drew Pine. Because guess what? You guys in the chat talk about Drew Pine, Tommy yeah. Reese, and Marcus Freeman. Maybe I should throw Tobias Merriweather on there because everyone wants to talk about him as well. Um, but uh, it's just, like we talk about like an offense is like a car. Like yeah. you could have a great um, car, but if you know one important part is not working, your car's not going to run. Or it's not going to run well, um, so I don't know, Tim. I, I just, I just think that you know, you can, you, you can put blame on Pine or Reese, but those two guys aren't at fault for Lorenzo Styles dropping a touchdown. I, I think that that third and two that Styles dropped, Pine could have placed it a little bit lower. Dude, you got to catch that ball. Yeah. You know, um, it's just everyone gets some of the blame when things aren't going well. I just don't believe you should peg it on a, a couple of guys. Was that my four minute rebuttal, Tim? No, but I love it. I mean, it's it's so true. It's you know, it's crazy because I mean, I mean, you know, I love Blake Fisher, and you're a big Joe Alt fan, which I love Joe Alt. He has been the, the the offensive MVP this year. He's been a stud and a half. Speaking of that, kudos, Joel, uh, PFF, second team left tackle behind the Northwestern top 10 pick next year. So kudos to Joel. But um, Blake Fisher had a heck of a game at times. I mean, he pan. There's one running play. He blocks two damn guys going outside on a stretch. His flatbacks two guys. First play of the third quarter, he just pins a dude right in the ground. If it was grass, the guy's whole helmet would be covered in dirt. But he gave up the up and under on the sack. And it's like, that's one play, man. It's, you know, it. You want to sit there and say, oh, the quarterback got us, you know, the fumble. But it's like, you know, Blake Fisher, every play matters. That guy's giving you a spin or a speed rush. Take control of that thing. So you're right, Mike. It is all 11 clicking. And when things don't happen, they don't happen. And it it stinks when things break down. And you can see all oh, the you got to coach him better. Well, I don't know, man. I'm, I've been following Notre Dame a long time. I truly believe the University of Notre Dame football coaches care. And I truly believe these dudes are working a lot of hours, watching a lot of film and coaching the living heck out of these guys. They're at Notre Dame. They're not hanging out. They're not just, you know, playing Parcheesi at lunch and chilling and playing cards. They're working their tails off. I truly believe that. But one quick thing, and this is just maybe it's going off the rails or whatever, but 
in a good way. We've done we've done plenty of that this show, Tim. How? You know what? We you know Brian Kelly leaves. We you know Marcus Freeman gets hired, and all we talk about is Freeman, the energy. Look at the look at the film. You know, and all the guys are hugging him, recruiting. You know, I mean, me and you. I mean, we didn't talk football, Mike, for like eight months. All we did was talk recruiting on these Wednesday shows. I, football was never was never talked about for months on end. It was always Shamrock video, this That's- video. Definitely not true, but continue. But all right, 99%. We talked a heck of a lot about recruiting, but no, but I hear you, Mike. It was always something going on, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. The the craziest stat is Notre Dame is being run. You know, people want to talk about, oh, Tommy Reese. Has anyone really sat back and looked at, do you realize this is Tommy Reese's seventh year coaching football? Seven. That's it. This is his seventh year coaching football. That is not a lot of football. That is not a lot of coaching. So when people are sprouting on Twitter and YouTube, oh, Fire Reese, the dude's been coaching for, this is his seventh year, all right? His mentor, Brian Kelly, is gone. So you can say whatever you want. He's really doing it for the first time as a 30-year-old dude. And do you know how experienced and old Marcus Freeman is? A whopping five years more in football. Do you know where Marcus Freeman was when he was 30? He was going three and nine as the DC at Purdue. Think of that. The DC at Purdue at 30 years old, going one and eight in the conference. He was an all American. He was an all conference football player in. So this program is being run by two dudes, less than 20 years combined coaching experience. And, and that really has not been talked a lot about. So this program's three and three, they're struggling. They're going through some major growing pains. And those were always talked about just, ah, oh, they're going to go through low growing pains, but they're going to go nine and three at worst, right? I think Tyler Horka, I think everyone at Blue and Gold was 10 and two-ish. You know, I, I thought they were going to be outstanding this year. Horka was the only one that said, ah, oh, I got nine and three. So, But even nine is, I mean, we That's take Homer nine and three right now. Point. Yeah, exactly. We take nine and three in a heartbeat right now, right? So, but you sit back and you see the youth. And maybe we didn't talk enough about this coaching staff. They're all brand new. I mean, I started looking at the other day. This, you know, this Chancey Stucky second year coaching football. <laughs> I mean, second year coaching football. Dylan McCullough is a stud. You know, Parker was at West Virginia, but he got demoted. Harry Heastan's been hanging out in the South Bend basement watching film for the last few years. He hasn't been coaching. He got fired from his last job. So this is the offensive staff. Not saying it's negative or anything, but these guys are all. They've only been together for what nine months, and it's just like I thought. I think the expectations are crazy. Nobody thought three and three. Me, you, a thousand other people hanging out tonight with us. Nobody thought Notre Dame would be three and three, but we're here. Yeah, we 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 got to get the show back on the on the tracks here. A couple couple comments I wanted to to um to to bring up. Ronald Tuck says, "Mike and Tim, thanks for all the great shows." Ronald, we appreciate you tuning in. Um. Brian J. Irish says, whoever saw Pine as a P5 scholarship quarterback coming to high school has some self-reflection to do. Here is that offer list. Yeah, I was going to um, say, let's talk quarterback recruiting. Yeah, you got Notre go. Dame, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Michigan, Tennessee. Yeah, so there you go. Um, So basically everybody. Tim, you got 10 seconds, man, because we really do need to get no, going go on this. Just go ahead. No, I was going to say, <laughs> it's funny. I've been doing a quarterback okay. – takes just just start talking about quarterback recruiting because someone wants to say that about pine well then google pine and read all the articles when he committed what was said about drew pine well, he Tim, yeah 
Yeah, we get the headline of this video and podcast is examining the quarterback situation. We're 39 minutes into the show, and we haven't really dove into it too much. And how did we get to this spot? So, comment here says, So, how did we get here, and how are we going to get out of this? Um, I, I guess let's start with the how did we get here spot, Tim. And this is where uh, we, we're kind of going to go wherever you want with this. Um, and, and, and I'll play off of you here. So, I mean, when's the last Notre Dame truck at the quarterback? We talked truck or trailer. Uh, how, how did we get here, Tim? Well, we, I mean, Notre, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting question because everyone acts like Notre Dame's had nothing but a bunch of three stars for years. But, uh, you know, Brian Kelly did have some darn good football, some very good quarterbacks, highly ranked quarterbacks that came in. You know, he got, obviously, Malik Zaire was a, you know, elite 11 quarterback to Sean Kaiser is really good. Um, you know, Golson, they pulled away from, uh, uh, which I'm going to call it UNC Brandon Wimbush. They pulled away from Penn state. Brandon Wimbush was in the top 50 in the country, you know, Phil Jerkovic every, I mean, Phil Jerkovic committed two years before he went to Notre Dame. So same with Tyler Buckner. Both of these guys were top 100 nationally ranked quarterback recruits. So it's not like they've just been hanging out, you know, not getting guys. I think where they went, you know, Jerkovic's the big loss, whether they, he panned out at Notre Dame or whatnot. Cause I think, you know, doing a little bit of research, that's kind of where the pine thing fell in is that they knew they had Jerkovic and they were already starting to uh, learn and meet with Buckner. So pine was kind of that, you know, that, you know, that middle layer type of a guy. So, where you know but even then mike you all you have people have to do is google and you read articles about him and his performances at all the camps you know i know he played football at connecticut's a heck of a lot different than california and texas you know but it's not like he's some stick in the mud no one wanted you know they didn't mean out they didn't beat out yukon for drew pine they beat out elite programs where he went and visited so how are we here we're here because i think Jerkovic transferred Buckner's only played a year of football, right? Pine is probably not the guy they maybe thought he was, if you really want to be honest and look, and look at it. And I think me and you talked all last year. That's why they got Jack Cohn. We're here because they didn't take a transfer quarterback. And that I completely agree. And 1, I one thousand percent. And I think that's the stickler when you look at the two quarterbacks, you know, you know, people want to talk about Angeli plays a true freshman is, you know, yeah, I mean, let's get real for, for five seconds. You know, let's talk about the two that are have been in the program. They they probably didn't want to, you know, ruffle feathers in that room. You know, I mean, you know, let's be honest. That's probably what, you know, what they thought about. And they didn't go out and get a couple of the quarterbacks that were out there that they know they could have gotten in into the room. And they didn't, and they didn't do that. They rolled the dice with these two, which me and you have talked about. I we find interesting because as much talent as Buckner has. The guy's only played one season of high school football. I mean, that's it. He has not played in 20 games in high school. I think he's played 16, 17 games total. That's it. Maybe even less than that. Less. You know, because I think he went to state, you know, so let's say 16 games because he got hurt early, had the great uh, junior year, and he doesn't have a a senior year uh, because of the COVID. And then Pine they knew about, and I talked about this where, Buckner's coming in as a freshman. They had Pine all year long as a freshman. That's why they went out and got Jack Cohn. And I think they knew what they had in Pine. I do. Because that's why he didn't play last year after the Wisconsin-Cincinnati games. 
And for some reason, Freeman, Reese, whatever that dynamic was in that room, those conversations when it was going on, they decided to stick with these guys and roll the dice moving forward. Was that because maybe they, they fully expected to get someone in 2023, Mike? Was that was that some of the thought process? I think it was just a bad call for this season. And I, I think I've said this on the show, is that it was not a good call. Uh, and, and I think part of it was because I don't think it looks good on your quarterback recruiting and development if you're needing a, a grad transfer two years in a row, right? Because Notre Dame's not really bringing in uh, underclassmen it's it's few and far between so yeah. could they sure it's happened I mean they brought in Brandon Joseph but it's a Northwestern to Notre Dame transfer that's that's you know f- very doable but you know someone coming in from the SEC as an undergrad it's not really happening so to have to bring in a grad transfer two years in a row as a stopgap that's yeah you know, I, I think that doesn't look good on them but you know it also doesn't look good losing to Marshall and losing to Stanford Sure. So it's like ego and ruffling feathers or winning more football games. Um, yeah, because losing football games is the ultimate ego hit. Um, and uh, I wanted to pop up this tweet um, that Ken tagged me uh, on Monday. Um, he said, your show um, regarding Stanford with Goolsby was tremendous, especially quarterback recruiting list of QBs since 2010 is eye rolling. Good, not necessarily great team scoring 35 plus was Notre Dame in on any of the current quarterback stars, whether that's Bama, Tennessee, Utah, North Carolina, USC, Ohio, Georgia. Um, Bryce Young's no. Hendon Hooker, I, I don't know. Hooker they offered. They offered Hooker, but that was the same class they – they they put all their eggs in the basket to get Hunter Johnson that year. That's the Hunter Johnson year. Was the Who's Utah's year. quarterback? Which Hunter Johnson, Rising. by the way, was a huge bust, right? Who's that? Hunter Johnson. Who's he? exactly? He's a, he's from Indiana. He was a five star. He was you know yeah. he was the next five star that they were going to get after uh, Gunnar Keel. You know Gunnar Keel was at Notre Dame. He was a five star. And the talk back then, back in the day, that's when you wish you know the great Lou was here to chat about that, but. Brian Kelly was just brutal on him. And he just, he went to Cincinnati and threw for almost 4,000 yards one year. So it's not like he was a, you know, horrible quarterback. He went and I, I think he had one or two good years at Cincinnati, but yeah, that was a Hunter Johnson, a uh, hooker, uh, UNC, who's you, Drake who's May. Who's Utah? Yeah, obviously SC's Caleb Williams, who transfers from Oklahoma and Ohio, you know, Ohio. I, I know they hired, they offered the yeah. guy last year. Who's you? Do you know who Utah's quarterback is? It's a, uh, Cameron Rising, who's from okay. uh, the Valley in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Mission Viejo, Viejo High School. I don't think he's Mission. I think he's. I think he's a Valley kid, well, if I remember right. Regardless, didn't yeah. offer him. Didn't offer Drake May. Didn't offer Bryce Young. Didn't offer. Wait, maybe they did. Maybe no, they, they didn't Bryce. offer Bryce Young. Was a USC commit at, for a while. I know. I, I, and I then know. they pulled him. You know, Alabama got him. Obviously, with Sarkeesian. Yeah, but, but the offer. reasonings. Go ahead. They Mike. didn't offer Caleb Williams. That was. Tyler Buckner's year, and that was because Notre Dame zeroed in on Tyler Buckner. Caleb Williams is a DC kid from Gonzaga High School. Like he, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a Catholic school. Like, mm-hmm. just didn't do it. Uh, CJ Stroud, nope. And uh, Georgia, um, well, they obviously no one offered Stetson Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no one did. Yeah, exactly, no one did. But uh, but there's a reason, you know, you know, as I was looking at this tweet, uh, you know you know, that I was a part of it's there's reasons why they didn't offer some of these guys because they got such early commitments. 
I mean, Tyler Buckner is a class of 20, you know, it's Tyler Buckner signed what Christmas, you know, I always say Christmas in December, obviously December of 2020 Buckner committed March of 2019. So they had their guy, they had their guy since March of 2019 drew pine signs in, um, uh, what, what, what is that would be what Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas of 19, since he's class of 2020, correct? Yeah, Pine's twenty twenty. He committed like he committed. I, look at this. He committed like years, April right? uh, April of two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and people would be like, "Oh my God, why they take that commit?" Go back and read the articles. He was and, the next big thing for sure. What's that? He was supposed to be the next big thing for sure. But you know, but you go read these articles and you, and you start seeing what they're saying about him. But they had Phil Jakovic. That's that's one of those. I'm not saying Phil Jakovic's at the number five pick in the NFL draft. But that's the guy Notre Dame was going with. They had they had Brandon Wimbush. Like I told you, they they put all their eggs in the you know Hunter Johnson was Dante Moore back then. They went all in on Hunter Johnson, visited a million times, thought they were going to get him, and then doing a little bit of research. How they ended up, people like, oh, how'd you get Ian Book? They got Ian Book because Hunter Johnson had starting to give out words that he was going to go to Tennessee. Mike Sanford, the current interim coach at Colorado, was at Boise, Stanford, as a quarterback coach, offered offered Ian Book, tells Brian Kelly, hey, there's a quarterback, since we're not going to get Hunter Johnson, there's this good quarterback, he could do some good things. Watch film, offered him on a Tuesday or Wednesday, Book commits in five days. So that's how they ended up getting Ian Book was all these things, and you get all these, you know, things that start to the roll off of that. And Jerkovic was a huge part. I, Tim, I, I think you have Reese or uh book was 2016. I want to say Hunter Johnson was 2017 class though. No, but Hunter Johnson committed that early. He committed that early, Brian. There, there were, I found, I found a couple articles just quick 30 seconds where Brian Kelly, it was, you know, told in art, obviously he can't talk about it, but he was telling Hunter Johnson, we are not going to take a quarterback in 2016. They were not going to take one because they had Kaiser. They had Malik Zaire. They had these guys already on campus. They were not going to take a quarterback in 16 to keep that spot open for Hunter Johnson. So he doesn't have to have an extra guy in the room. Hunter Johnson commits to Tennessee a year early, like book and Buckner, all these guys have done. And then they went out and got Ian book. That's some of the research I was doing and trying to, you know, place the timeline on these quarterbacks. But how do they get Buckner and Pine? They committed 15, 16 months before they signed. So there's court, you know, someone was talking about, oh, they, you know, they could have JJ McCarthy. They were getting Tyler Buckner. You know, they could have Bryce Young, as we're talking right now. They're getting Tyler Buckner out of San Diego. You know, they had already pinned their hopes on these guys. And as you know, Recruiting's an inexact science. Just because a guy's number fifteen in the rankings, don't mean he's fifteen best player in three years. So, is it miscalculation on some guys? Could be. That's why you got to fill the room, and they should have went got a transfer. Bottom line for this season, with the stats and the quarterback numbers we've seen, and the three losses and the three wins, they needed an extra dude in that room. Just to kind of let you guys inside the mind of Mike Singer, which is a scary place. But as you're talking about some of this stuff, I'm thinking just there's just bad juju. Yeah. I don't know if you guys believe in bad juju, but uh, when I was in the Tampa, Florida area covering high school football, like fresh out of high school for me, um, Tampa Jesuit beat Tampa Catholic every year. And Catholic would have the better team, but Jesuit would still beat them 
every single year. And it was like, this is the year. I mean, Tampa Catholic's like nine and one, or and, and you know, and, and and Jesuits five and five. Like, this is the nope, Jesuit always beat them. Yeah. And it was like a 10-year streak or something. It's just like, what is it that Tampa Catholic just can't get over the hump against Jesuit? For whatever reason, Notre Dame's quarterback, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, they're getting all these highly ranked quarterbacks. I mean, I can make an argument for all of Notre Dame's quarterbacks being big time that they've signed sure. recently, other than Ron Paulus, um, just the three-star with the Kentucky offer. But, I mean, Steve Angeli, you go look at his offer list, and he was an under Armour All-American. Yeah. Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, also All-Americans. They had big-time offers. Pine and Buckner both had Alabama on their offer list. Yep. Um, I don't think Brendan Clark, you know, you think he used more of a three-star, didn't have elite offers. We haven't even mentioned yeah. his name. Um, and then Jerkovic obviously was an All-American. Um, I mean, I mean that, Tom that's Lemming, just yeah, Tom Lemming had him as the five-star on his thing. He thought he was just an absolute crown jewel of that class. He you know, just loved him. You know, I was reading some quotes about him. And, uh, yeah, someone mentioned real quick, you mentioned Brendan Clark. He was Cade McNamara, the quarterback at Michigan, who just got beat out by J.J. McNamara was a Notre Dame commit, decommitted, and they got Brendan Clark as a stopgap, so to speak. Yeah. Well, so where did, where does Notre Dame go from here? I, well, my, my, it's terrible analysis, but a big part of this is Notre Dame. A lot of it's just bad luck. (laughs) I mean, you think one of these guys would just pan out to be elite and just none of them have. It's crazy. And all of this time it's been, you know, since Clausen or, or, you know, it's just like whole, I mean, 12 years? What well, was Clausen's last year? Yeah, Clausen's last year was 09, yeah. In in the past – is that 13 seasons? Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, you're Notre Dame. You just got to get lucky. And you had Dane Christ, who is a top 20 national you, player. You know who Notre Dame got lucky with? Kyron Williams. Go look at Kyron Williams, Ezra. He's yeah. a three-star. I don't three think star. he was some elite prospect. They got pretty darn lucky there. He ended up being really dang good. I agree. Joe Alt. No, I <laughs> he wasn't any big time recruit. He was a three star. I think 24 7 has a four star at the end of it. Maybe because they're just listening to my thoughts on it. But this is like I won. You just got to get freaking lucky and then hit on somebody. No. Nope. But but the hit, you know, as, as we as we you know get near the end of the show here, it also what about wide receiver room, my friend? Who do quarterbacks throw to? Chase wide receivers Blackpool and Miles Boykin. But they're not on this team. Yeah, they're not on. This. They're not on this team. I mean, amazing. I mean, that shows you Avery Davis how bad this team needed Avery Davis as a slot with his experience and yeah. and the handful of you know he hasn't been the greatest receiver. He's been a great compliment guy, some big plays at key moments, and then Kevin Austin, who's obviously on a practice squad in the NFL. Had had he come back, developed, Ooh. he would have been drafted. I mean, my God, he'd probably yeah. be an All American this year because. They just need a guy so bad. And, you know, we, man, sometimes you don't talk enough about the wide receiver room. Cause those, I mean, Jaden Tom is a redshirt freshman. He didn't play last year. Lorenzo Styles is kind of the sophomore jinx, right? The sophomore slump in a way. Not, he had a solid last half of his freshman year. Lindsay's just Brendan Lindsay. The guy's got no, no luck when he's open. He doesn't get the ball with, you know, man, that, that guy just hasn't had any, you know, they run reverse gets tackled for loss from a blitzing corner. It's just been that way from him, but sure. Tobias, Mary, whether everyone wants to throw Tobias, Tobias, because the wide receiver room is so 
light. Everyone just thought he was going to be a guy on day one. He's only been on campus for what, three months, Mike? He finally has learned. He got on the field and he got a touchdown. And I would expect him to play more each and every game moving forward. So um, wide receivers, but wide receivers are coming in 2023. Coming as we just talked to Cam Williams in 2024. They're going to get others. So that room is going to get, you know, filled up pretty quick here in the next 18 months, so to speak. All right. Um, we were going to talk a little UNLV and, and a new offensive line offer in the game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to have to say that for another time. So um, make sure. So this is the lineup coming up on our YouTube channel Thursday um, afternoon. We will have Marcus Freeman press conference video plus Tyler Horka's um, reaction and insight to the presser as well as 1 PM recruiting show. So we will talk about, um, Chris Tarek, the new offensive line offer, Wisconsin commit, watch his film. Uh, and then Friday afternoon, post it right at noon, is the final thoughts, observations, and prediction video um, with uh, Tim Hyde giving us three keys to the game and his score prediction for the Fighting Irish versus UNLV. Uh, and then Saturday, um, post-game show, Sunday night, Goolsby show, um, and then we do it all over again. So um, that is going to wrap it up for this video. Tim, I'm going to give you a minute. You're going to – minute, and then I'm muting you because i got to get going. Give us your final thoughts to wrap up this video. No, it's a, it's been a hard, tough season, a, a struggling season. We're 3-3. Three and three. Notre Dame's 3-3. Three and three. Got to beat the running Rebels, man. Marcus Freeman's got to he's – he's got to find a way to go out there and get this thing because the following week – they're going to be at Syracuse, the Carrier Dome, and Syracuse is going to be ranked no matter if they win or lose. You know, if they lose against Clemson, they're still going to be ranked. So they're going to be on the road against a ranked team. So these next, uh, what are we, 10 days are going to uh, say a heck of a lot about this football season. Is it a six and six year, seven and five, pull an upset somewhere, go eight back to eight and four? Who knows? But I think we're going to know a lot where this team is between tonight and next Saturday in the Carrier Dome. Yeah. Good stuff, Tim. 50 seconds. I'm proud of you. I do want to mention real quick, as we've talked all this quarterback recruiting stuff, we haven't really touched on what's next. Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback commit in 23. And there's not like any promising offers out. Um, Notre Dame is working, I'm told. But, I mean, Luke Duncan, the UCLA commit, was looking at coming in for the Stanford game. That didn't happen. Um, Again, haven't publicly offered anybody. Kind of working. But, that's not – I'm not really optimistic right now about 23 quarterback recruiting. I'm just not. And then for 24, you got CJ Carr committed. Um, does he reclass? Maybe. Probs not. But um, I, I can't believe I just said probs not. Probably not. Um, and so sorry to kind of end the show on a little bit of a, 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 a bummer, but maybe Notre Dame does go out and flip somebody really good in the 23 class or – um, find it just finds a, a darn good one. Um, but we are two months from National Signing Day. <laughs> it's like, who is it gonna be? I've got no clue. Um, and uh, we will let you know when we do have a clue, though. So, uh, heck of a way to sign off, Tim. Can you can can you bring me some optimism before we sign off? Because I don't want to sign off like that. Any any anything good? Maybe you no, can tell uh, me that Steve Angeli is a superstar. Steve Angeli is gonna get some playing time this year. We're all gonna be talking about him and loving him up. But Marcus Freeman was hired to do what? Recruit, recruit, recruit. He's doing it. He's got a heck of a class. 
if they don't get a 23 quarterback, they got a heck of a one in 24. I think we are safe. Oh, they're getting team. a 23. They, I mean, they have to, or they're going to get a. They're going to get I mean, they're going to have a quarterback. It's either going to be, they're going to flip someone, which they've had great success during the Kelly years of flipping quarterbacks. So if they can flip a quarterback, someone just said in the comments positively, like with all this offensive skills talent, Mike, look at the three wide receivers and the three running backs coming in and a tight end that Nick Saban keeps knocking on his door. So there are skilled dudes coming. What quarterback doesn't want to play around these guys? So if they don't flip someone, you know, Darn well, there's going to be a transfer because there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks transferring. Notre Dame will have someone in January on campus. I, I would put two bucks on that. Yeah, I think they need to do both. Honestly, in my opinion, at least uh, transfer and a, a quarterback in 23. But we'll see. Um, yeah, I also feel like man, we spent all the time talking quarterbacks, and I didn't really talk to Steve Angeli, who I, I am very high on. Um, these quarterbacks who. You know, your pines of the world, you're reading books, like the guys you're not expecting to start, and then they do, have turned out to be really good. Um, in turn, and Buck, the book, the, the, the um, book, the book on I'm, book, the book on pine is still yet to be read. Like, we're still waiting. To, I'm struggling here now. We're into the show. Positive. One, one last positive thought on Drew. Well, pine. Just, let, let me finish. Like, four starts, people. He's had four starts. He's three and one as a starter. His one loss was brutal. He's three and one. There's got to be some positiveness on some of the good he has done. I'm not saying he's elite. I'm not saying he's an NFL guy, but he has proven he could win for Notre Dame. And Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese got to wrap something around to go out and get some more W's with him this year. Yeah, but back to what I was saying, you've had these guys who weren't supposed to be starters. Book was never supposed to be starter. Yeah, no, I hear you. It, it was he was supposed to be the in between, you know, quarterback. Yep. Um, from from what did that have been Kaiser to Jerkovic? I remember serves me correctly. Yep. And then you know, Pine was it was supposed to be Cone to to Buckner, you know, and Pine's never supposed to be the guy. Well, he is right now. I think Angeli could be that, and I think Angeli could be really good. He's taller. I he's taller. He's, he's six he's, two and a half. He's tall. Maybe he's grown a little bit more. Um, so uh yeah, like I I want to say he's the biggest quarterback in the room is actually Ron Paulus, but I Angeli is definitely taller than Pine, and I believe he is um taller than uh, Buckner as well. And um he's a really good athlete, throws a nice ball. We'll see. Run the ball and play action. That's gotta be the key. And if Angeli could throw, I mean, Notre Dame's just gotta open up, they gotta hit more RPOs, some more quick stuff. And they got to take some shots, and those guys got to make plays. Yep. And maybe Angeli could do that. And they got to get him in the game. So hopefully Notre Dame cruises past UNLV to get him in there. All right, this show's been all over awesome. the place. But we are signing off now. Appreciate you folks for watching or listening. Please do um, like the videos, um, subscribe, rate the podcast, head to blueandgold.com, check it out. $10 promo um, gets you access through the start of next football season. Appreciate everyone, and we'll catch you next time.